All right, so now we come into the Captain Harden era of Project Blue Book, which was short-lived, as was with most of the following people after RuPolt. Um, in March of 1954, Charles Captain Charles Harden took over Blue Book. However, during this time, the 4,602nd conducted most UFO investigations, and Harden was totally okay with that. Um, RuPolt wrote that Harden... And I quote, thinks that anyone who is even interested, referring to UFOs, is crazy. They bore him. In 1955, the Air Force decided that the goal of Project Blue Book should not be to investigate UFO reports, but to minimize the number of unidentified UFO reports. By late 1956, the number of unidentified sightings had dropped from the 20 to 25% of the Ruppelt era to less than 1%. Fast forward to 1956, Captain George T. Gregory takes over as Blue Book's director. Clark writes that Gregory led Blue Book in an even firmer anti-UFO direction than the apathetic Harden. The 4,602nd was dissolved, and the 1,066th Air Intelligence Service Squadron was charged with UFO investigations. There was actually little or no investigation of UFO reports. A revised AFR 20-2 issued during Gregory's time as director emphasized that unexplained UFO reports must be reduced to a minimum. One way that Gregory reduced the number of unexplained UFOs was by simple reclassification. Possible cases became probable, and probable cases were upgraded to certainties. By this logic, a possible comet became a probable comet, while a probable comet was flatly declared to have been a misidentified comet. Similarly, if a witness reported an observation of an unusual balloon-like object, Blue Book usually classified it as a balloon, with no research and qualification. These procedures became standard for most of Blue Book's later investigation. Alright, so that was... Captain Gregory takes over in 56. 1958, Lieutenant Colonel Robert J. Friend was appointed the head of Blue Book. Friend made some attempts to reverse the direction Blue Book had taken since 1954. Clark writes that, and I quote, Friend's efforts to upgrade the files and catalog sightings according to various observed statistics were frustrated by a lack of funding and assistance. Heartened by Friend's efforts, Heineck organized the first of several meetings between Blue Book staffers and ATIC personnel in 1959. Heineck's plans came to naught. During Friend's time at Blue Book, ATIC contemplated passing ATIC contemplated passing the oversight to another Air Force agency, but neither the Air Research and Development Center nor the Office of Information for the Security of the Air Force was interested. In 1960, there were U.S. congressional hearings regarding UFOs. Civilian UFO Research Group, NICAP, the National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomena, had publicly charged Blue Book with covering up UFO evidence and had also acquired a few allies in the U.S. Congress. Blue Book was investigated by the Congress and the CIA with critics, most notably the civilian UFO group NICAP, asserting that Blue Book was lacking as a scientific study. In response, ATIC added personnel 
increasing the total personnel to three military personnel plus civilian secretaries, and increased Blue Book's budget. This seemed to mollify some of Blue Book's critics, but it was only temporary. A few years later, the criticism would be even louder. By the time Friend was transferred from Blue Book in 1963, he thought that Blue Book was effectively useless not to be dissolved, even if it caused an outcry amongst the public. Major Quintanilla. On August of 1963, Major Hector Quintanilla steps in as the new lead. Once again, another hater. He largely continued the debunking efforts, and it was under his direction that Blue Book received some of its sharpest criticism. UFO researcher Jerome Clark goes as far as to write that, by this time, Blue Book had lost all credibility. Physicist, blah, blah, physicist and UFO researcher Dr. James E. McDonald once flatly declared that Quintanilla was not competent from either a scientific or an investigative perspective, although he also stressed that Quintanilla shouldn't be held accountable for it, as he was chosen for his position by a superior officer and was following orders in directing Blue Book. Blue Book's explanations of UFO reports were not universally accepted, however, and critics, including some scientists, suggest that Project Blue Book performed questionable research, or worse, was perpetrating cover-up. This criticism grew especially strong and widespread in the 1960s. Take, for example, the many mostly nighttime UFO reports from the Midwestern and Southeastern United States in the summer of 1965. Witnesses in Texas reported multicolored lights and large aerial objects shaped like eggs or diamonds. The Oklahoma Highway Patrol reported that Tinker Air Force Base near Oklahoma City had tracked up to four UFOs simultaneously, and that several of them had descended very rapidly from about 22,000 feet to about 4,000 feet in just a few seconds an action well beyond the capabilities of conventional aircraft of the era. John Shockley, a meteorologist from Wichita, Kansas, reported that using the State Weather Bureau radar, he tracked a number of odd aerial objects flying at altitudes between about 6,000 and 9,000 feet. These and other reports received wide publicity. Project Blue Book officially determined the witnesses had mistaken Jupiter or bright stars, such as Regal or Beltagueus, Betelgeus, Betelgeus, Beta. Gotta look it up. Project Blue Book officially determined the witnesses had mistaken Jupiter or bright stars such as Regal or Betelgeuse for something else. All right, so I'm not sure. I let I had to look it up because it's B E T E L G E U S E. According to the YouTube, it's Betelgeuse. Betelgeuse. There's always the Frenchman that helps me understand how to say words in English. For some reason, his page is always the first one that pops up. But either way, Regal and Beetlejuice are... Regal? Regal? I think it's Regal. R-I-G-E-L. Regal or Regal? Either way, Regal or Regal is the brightest star in the constellation of Orion, and Beetlejuice is the second brightest star. So... Project Blue Book was saying that they had mistaken what they saw for Jupiter or one of these bright stars. Blue Book's explanation was widely criticized as inaccurate. Robert Reiser, director of the Oklahoma Science and Art Foundation Planetarium, offered a strongly worded rebuke of Project Blue Book that was widely circulated. That is as far 
this is quoting him, that is as far from the truth as you can get. These stars and planets are on the opposite side of the Earth from Oklahoma City at this time of year. The Air Force must have had its star finder upside down during August. Another case that Blue Book's critics seized upon was the so-called Portage County UFO chase, which began at about 5 a.m. near Ravenna, 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 Ohio on April 17, 1966. Police officers Dale Spar and Wilbur Neff spotted what they described as a disc-shaped silvery object with a bright light emanating from its underside at about a thousand feet in altitude. They began following the object, which they reported sometimes descended as low as 50 feet. The police from several other jurisdictions were involved in the pursuit. The chase ended about 30 minutes later near Freedom, Pennsylvania, some 85 miles away. The UFO chase made national news, and the police submitted detailed reports to Blue Book. Five days later, following brief interviews with only one of the police officers, but none of the other ground witnesses, Blue Book's director, Major Hector Quintanilla, announced their conclusions. The police, one of them an Air Force gunner during the Korean War, had first chased a communications satellite, then the planet Venus. Mm-hmm. This conclusion was widely derided, and police officers strenuously rejected it. In his dissenting conclusion, Hynek described Blue Book's conclusion as absurd. In the report, several of the police had unknowingly described the moon, Venus, and the UFO, though they unknowingly described Venus as a bright star very near to the moon. Ohio Congressman William Stanton said that the Air Force has suffered a great loss of prestige in the community. Once people entrusted with the public welfare no longer think the people can handle the truth, then the people, in return, will no longer trust the government. In September of 1968, Hynek received a letter from Colonel Raymond Sleeper of the Foreign Technology Division. Sleeper noted that Hynek had publicly accused Blue Book of shoddy science and further asked Hynek to offer advice on how Blue Book could improve its scientific methods. Hynek was later to... Heineck was to later declare that the sleeper's letter was the first time in my 20-year association with the Air Force as scientific consultant that I had been officially asked for criticism and advice regarding the UFO problem. Heineck wrote a detailed response, dated October 7, 1968, suggesting several areas where Blue Book could improve. In part, he wrote, 1. Neither of the two missions of Blue Book determining if UFOs are a threat to national security and using scientific data gathered by Blue Book are being adequately ex executed. Are being adequately executed. Number two, the staff of Blue Book, both in numbers and in scientific training, is grossly inadequate. Three, Blue Book suffers in that it is a closed system. There is virtually no scientific dialogue between Blue Book and the outside scientific world. Four, the statistical methods employed by Blue Book are nothing less than a travesty. 5. There's been a lack of attention to significant UFO cases and too much time spent on routine cases and on peripheral public relations tasks. Concentration could be on two or three potentially scientific significant per cases per month instead of being spread thin over 40 to 70 cases per month. The information input to Blue Book is grossly inadequate. 
an impossible load is placed on Blue Book by the almost consistent failure of UFO officers at local air bases to transmit adequate information. 7. The basic attitude and approach within Blue Book is illogical and unscientific. 8. Inadequate use had been made of the project's scientific consultant, Heineck himself. Only cases that the project monitor deems worthwhile are brought to his attention. His scope of operation has been consistently thwarted. He often learns of interesting cases only a month or two after the receipt of the report at Blue Book. Despite Sleeper's request for criticism, none of Heimick's commentary resulted in any substantial change in Blue Book. Quintanilla's own perspective on the project is documented in his manuscript, UFOs, an Air Force Dilemma. Lieutenant Colonel Quintanilla wrote the manuscript in 1975, but it was not published until after his death in 1998. Quintanilla states in the text that he personally believes it's arrogant to think human beings were the only intelligent life in the universe. Yet, while he found it highly likely that intelligent life existed beyond Earth, he had no hard evidence of any extraterrestrial visitation. So in 1966, we come up with a need for a congressional hearing. A string of UFO sightings in Massachusetts and New Hampshire provoked a congressional hearing by the House Committee on Armed Services. According to attachments to the hearing, the Air Force had at first stated that the sightings were the result of a training exercise happening in the area. But NICAP, the National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomena, reported that there was no record of a plane flying at the time the sightings occurred. Another report alleged that the UFO was actually a flying billboard advertising gasoline. Raymond Fowler of NICAP added his own interviews with the locals who saw Air Force officers confiscating newspapers with the story of UFOs and telling them not to report what they had seen. Two police officers who had witnessed the UFOs, Eugene Bertrand and David Hunt, wrote a letter to Major Quintanilla stating that they felt their reputations were destroyed by the Air Force. It was impossible to mistake what we saw for any kind of military operation, regardless of altitude. The irritated officers wrote, adding that there was no way it could have been a balloon or helicopter. According to Secretary Harold Brown of the Air Force, Blue Book consisted of three steps, investigation, analysis, and the distribution of information gathered to interested parties. After Brown gave permission, the press were invited into the hearing. By the time of the hearing, Blue Book had identified and explained 95% of the reported UFO sightings. None of these were extraterrestrial or a threat to national security. Brown himself proclaimed, I know of no one of scientific standing or executive standing with a detailed knowledge of this in our organization who believes that they came from an extraterrestrial source. Dr. J. Allen Hynek, scientist consultant to Blue Book, suggests... In walks Dr. Heineck, a science consultant to Blue Book. Heineck suggested in an unedited statement that a civilian panel of physical and social scientists be formed for the express purpose of determining whether a major problem really exists in regards to UFOs. Heineck remarked that he has not seen any evidence to confirm extraterrestrials, nor do I know any competent scientist who has or who believes that any kind of extraterrestrial intelligence is involved. So this brings us to the Condon Committee. Criticism from Criticism Blue Book continued to grow through the mid-1960s. NICAP's membership ballooned to about 15,000. 
and the group charged the U.S. government with a cover-up of UFO evidence. Following U.S. congressional hearings, the Condon Committee was established in 1966 as a neutral scientific research body. However, the committee became mired in controversy with some members charging director Edward U. Condon with bias, and critics would question the validity of the scientific rigor of the Condon report. In the end, Con the Condon Committee suggested that there was nothing extraordinary about UFOs, and while it left a minority of cases unexplained, the report also argued that further research would not be likely to yield significant results. In response to the Condon Committee's conclusions, Secretary of the Air Force Robert C. Siemens Jr. announced that Blue Book would soon be closed because further funding cannot be justified either on the grounds of national security or in the interest of science. The last publicly acknowledged day of Blue Book operations was December 17, 1969. However, researcher Brad Sparks, citing research from the May 1970 issue of NICAP's UFO Investigator, reports that the last day of Blue Book activity was actually January 30, 1970. According to Sparks, Air Force officials wanted to keep the Air Force's reaction to the UFO problem from overlapping into a fourth decade and thus altered the date of Blue Book's closure in official files. Blue Book's files were sent to the Air Force archives at Maxwell Air Force Base in Alabama. Major David Shea was to later claim that Maxwell was chosen because it was accessible yet not too inviting. Ultimately, Project Blue Book stated that UFO sightings were generated as a result. A mild form of mass hysteria, individuals who fabricate such reports to perpetuate a, well... And we've been over this. Ultimately, Project Blue Book stated the fallen UFO sightings were generated as a result of what we've already gone over, but for a little refresher, a mild form of mass hysteria, individuals who fabricate such reports to perpetuate a hoax or seek publicity, psychopathological persons, and misidentification of various conventional objects. In 2003, the USAF publicly indicated that there were no immediate plans to reestablish any official government UFO study programs. However, in December 2017, it was disclosed that a new secret UFO study titled the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program, AATIP, was funded at $22 million from 2007 to 2012. USAF Official Statement on UFOs, as noted in the USAF Fact Sheet 95-03. From 1947 to 1969, the Air Force investigated unidentified flying objects under Project Blue Book. 2. There has been no evidence submitted to or discovered by the Air Force that sightings categorized as unidentified represent technological developments or principles beyond the range of present-day scientific knowledge. 3. There has been no evidence indicating that sightings categorized as unidentified are extraterrestrial vehicles. I suppose that's fair. Let's look it up. Let's, let's define extraterrestrial outside of Earth or its atmosphere. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. With the termination of Project Blue Book, the Air Force regulation establishing and controlling the program for investigating and analyzing UFOs 
was rescinded. Documentation regarding the former Blue Book investigation was permanently transferred to the Modern Military Branch National Archives and Records Service and is available for public review and analysis. Since the termination of Project Blue Book, nothing has occurred that would support a resumption of UFO investigations by the Air Force. There are a number of universities and professional scientific organizations that have considered UFO phenomena during periodic meetings and seminars. A list of private organizations interested in aerial phenomena may be found in Encyclopedia of Associations, published by Gale Research. Interest in and timely review of UFO reports by private groups ensure that the sound evidence is not overlooked by the scientific community. Persons wishing to report UFO sightings should be advised to contact local enforcement agencies. I don't know about you, but here in Portland, we don't have a UFO division of our police department. We barely have a police department. That is one nice thing about living in Portland. There's almost no police on the road most of the time. All right, so Project Blue Book Special Report number 14. In late December of 1951, Rupert met with members of the Battelle Memorial Institute, a think tank based in Columbus, Ohio. Rupert wanted their experts to assist them in making the Air Force UFO study more scientific. It was the Battelle Institute that devised the standardized reporting form. Starting in late March 1952, the Institute started analyzing existing sighting reports and encoding about 30 report characteristics onto IBM punch cards punched cards for computer analysis. Project Blue Book, special report number 14, was their massive statistical analysis of Blue Book cases to date, some 3,200, by the time the report was completed in 1954. After Ruppelt had left Blue Book, after Ruppelt had left Blue Book. Even today, it represents the largest such study ever undertaken. Battelle employed four scientific analysts who sought to divide cases into knowns, unknowns, and a third category of insufficient information. They also broke down knowns and unknowns into four categories of quality from excellent to poor. Cases deemed excellent might typically involve experienced witnesses such as airline pilots or trained military personnel, multiple witnesses corroborating evidence such as radar contact or photographs, etc. In order for a case to be deemed known, only two analysts had to independently agree on a solution. However, for a case to be called an unknown, all four analysts had to agree. Thus, the criterion for an unknown was quite stringent. In addition, sightings were broken down into six different characteristics. Color, number, duration of observation, brightness, shape, and speed. And then these characteristics were compared between knowns and unknowns to see if there was a statistically significant difference. The main results of the statistical analysis were about 69% of the cases were judged known or identified, 38% were considered conclusively identified while 31% were still doubtfully explained, about 9% fell into sufficient information, about 22% were deemed unknown, down from the earlier 28% valued of the Air Force studies, in the known category, 86% of the knowns were aircraft, balloons, or had astronomical explanations. Only 1.5% of all cases were judged to be psychological or crackpot cases. A miscellaneous category comprised 8% of all cases and included possible hoaxes. The higher the quality of the case, the more likely it was to be classified unknown. 
35% of the excellent cases were deemed unknowns, as opposed to only 18% of the poorest cases. All right. Some of the areas that we find Project Blue Book in fiction would be Project UFO. Project Blue Book was the inspiration for the 1978 to 1979 TV show Project UFO, which was known as Project Blue Book in some countries, which is supposedly based on Project Blue Book cases. However, the show frequently went against the actual project conclusion. The show deemed that aliens persisted to live on Earth and live coherent lives among Homo sapiens. And Twin Peaks. Project Blue Book played a major role in the second season of the TV series Twin Peaks. Galactica 1980. Every episode of the original Battlestar Galactica spin-off series Galactica 1980 ended with a short statement about the U.S. Air Force's 1969 Project Blue Book findings that UFOs are not proven to exist and are not a threat to national security. Project Blue Book. Original title. From 2019, Project Blue Book is the inspiration for the drama series Project Blue Book, which began airing on the History Channel in January of 2019. So in conclusion, textual records of Project Blue Book, the documentation relating to investigations of unidentified flying objects, excluding names of people involved in sightings, are now available for research in the National Archives building. The record includes approximately two cubic feet of unarranged project or administrative files, 37 cubic feet of case files in which individual sightings are arranged chronologically, and three cubic feet of records relating to the Office of Special Investigations, the OSI, portions of which are arranged chronologically by OSI district and by overseas command. A cubic foot of records comprises about 2,000 pages. Finding aids for these records include a file list for the project files and an index to individual sightings entered by date and location. Access to Blue Book textual records is by means of 94 rolls of 35mm microfilm T1206 in the National Archives microfilm reading room. The first microfilm roll includes a list of contents for all the rolls and the finding aids. Photographs scattered among the textual records have also been filmed separately on the last two rolls. Motion picture film, sound recordings, and some still pictures are maintained by the Motion Picture and Sound and Video Branch, NMSM, and the Still Picture Branch, NNSP. And that's it. That is the end of our episode probably going to be episodes looking back at the timeline here episodes on project blue book project grudge and project sign um yeah like i said this was one that there was just a ton of information it was hard for me to keep it um it was hard for me to retain all of it like, there was just so much done, so many different people that ran the organization, so many uh, reports done by them. Yeah, this was, a, this was a lot. I won't lie, a lot of it was just copy and paste articles and read it, because, like I said, the, like, I'd been doing this, 
Um, I'd started the Project Blue Book in its own Word file, like all the information for reading and stuff, and ended up doing Project, doing Roswell, um, the Kenneth Arnold thing, um, and everything else. And honestly, the the uh, Project Blue Book itself, not even sign and grudge, takes up more than half of the information I had in that. And I don't know how many pages are here. I came. Oh, there's there's 56 pages of information that I have here, and over half of it was on Project Blue Book. So yeah, don't judge me. I'm uh. That was a, yeah, that was a lot of copy paste read, but I hope it was informative, give you a little better look into what Project Blue Book is. Um, like I had a base, it seems like with most things that I do the podcast on, I have a base knowledge of, I have a general overview of what it is, but as far as like how in depth everything is involved with it, um, no, I don't, I'm not super knowing of not super knowing of i'm not uh very well informed on the actual in-depth details which is why i enjoy doing um these podcasts because i get to learn a little bit more about it and hopefully you get to learn some more as well um but yeah that is that's project blue book right there that is it sounds like, I mean, the fact that we, I know it's unidentified flying objects. UFO does not mean extraterrestrial. does not mean an alien is up there flying it or even remotely flying it. It just means it's something that it's not identified. But when you have large groups of people seeing the same unidentified things, and the fact that in that amount of time, there are still... 701 items that were unidentified um, leaves you to want to believe in something more. I mean, how can we, as vast and giant as our universe is, how do we not believe there's more life out there? There's life beyond Earth, which, even if there isn't right now, I think at some point soon, the way we're wrecking the Earth, there's definitely going to be some extraterrestrial life even if it is homo sapiens just living on another planet um but yeah that is project blue book i'm informed hope you're informed uh, <laughs> i don't really have any like closing thoughts on or anything it's just it's interesting to know that the government was that involved with ufo research unfortunately having people at the helm who were more skeptics than believers or even even if it wasn't just like somewhere in between there i would prefer that over somebody that's just a skeptic all the way through saying this is not this and and the fact that there wasn't as much science involved with it as there easily could have been with as much funding as the government gave to project blue book but what are your thoughts what, what's uh have you watched project blue book the show do you like it do you not like it I haven't watched it. Um, I've heard that they've switched some names around and like, I don't know. It's not completely, it's the history channel ain't uh, aliens. Um, but I'll have to look into it more and check it out. 
Um, but yeah, hope you enjoyed it. I'm glad to have it done. <laughs> I Like I said, when I started this, it was just something about this one. It was not sticking with me. It was not one that I had like, I had an urge, to, I had more of an urge to sit down and do it to get it done with than I did to actually like, oh, I'm enjoying this. I'm excited to do this episode. This was more like, I enjoyed everything up to this episode. It's it's weird. I don't know how to explain it. Everything up to this episode was like, I was way into and I was excited to do. And then I got to Blue Book and this one is just, I think there may have just been a lot of information because I've got... I think right now about two hours worth of stuff, which it'll go down once I cut it, but I am going to split it into two different episodes just because there is so much information here. Um, all that said, thank you for listening. Thanks for uh, hanging out with me today. Um, if you would like to follow any of the social media, we are, I am, I am, I, I do it all. I do the video, I do the editing, I do the... I do the research. Let's see. What are we? What am I at? Uh, I think it's. You can find all of my social medias on linktr. ee backslash dotu podcasts. That's Linktree, basically. That's the, when you see where it's got. You click on it, and everybody's. Social medias pop up, but it's L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E backslash D-O-T-U podcast. You'll be able to find the YouTube, the Venmo, the, not the YouTube, the Venmo. You'll be able to find the YouTube, the Vimeo, the TikTok, the Instagram, everywhere you can listen to it. There's about, I think I'm on 10 to 15 different uh, podcasting sites. Um, D-O-T-U on Anchor which is anchors what I do this through um, as you heard in the ad, because there's always an ad for it. Um, Instagram, Twitter, but yeah, um, Patreon's a thing. If you want to support me through Patreon, I would appreciate that. I love doing this. I would love to be able to um, do this more. There's a few items I do want to make the podcast better. Uh, one of those would be a new camera. Um, but yeah, that'll come with funding and everything else. So please, if you, if you feel like donating, check out Patreon. You can also donate directly on, um, anchor.fm backslash DOTU podcasts or DOTU. You can get to it. (laughs) Yeah, you can reach, um, me on if you feel like donating directly don't want to do the monthly subscription thing you can do patreon for as little as a dollar a month or you can do directly on at anchor.fm backslash dotu has the option to do a donation if you want to do a one-time donation anything you do is appreciated it all goes back to making the podcast better um but yeah thank you so much for listening Um, the biggest thing is if you tell a friend, you like this podcast, you checked it out for the first time. You're like, Hey, I like this. I think I know somebody else that might like this. Let them know. Let them know this is, uh, out there. Let them know that this podcast is an ongoing podcast that is 
researching cryptids, conspiracies, cults, and the paranormal, and all things strange. Um, but yeah, that is it for Project Blue Book. So keep an eye to the sky, and remember that even just because they say it's mass hysteria or you're a psychological person, there are still 701 unidentified objects out there. See you in two weeks.